On today's show, our special guest is Josh Henderson from Huxley Wallace Collective. As always, there is news from around town and beyond, and plenty of events to discuss from the calendar. It's all coming up next on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Ethan Stoll Restaurants. Fresh ingredients. Let's the food do the talking. From house-made pasta to ribeye for two. Find them at www.ethanstollrestaurants.com. This is Chef Jeremy from Pecos Pit Barbecue. Let's open up the smoker and get the show on the road. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the March 2018 Seattle Dining Show, number 1803. I'm Connie Adams, the very senior editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, the image of a modern-day publisher. Good morning, Oregon. Oh, what? wait, no, that's the wrong show. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, we've been, uh, over the years, we've been learning names of cheeses. So, like, you got, uh, everybody thinks it's called Gouda, but Howda. we know it's Howda. You just remember Howdy Doody. <laughs> and I bet and he it, ate it. We were having dinner the other night, and it, on the menu it looked like we were going to have some Chowerhawker cheese. Oh, yeah. And I learned that it's actually called Hollerhawker. Oh. So the C is silent, see? Yeah. This and, is why you should know other languages. Yeah. And, you know, when you get into like Asian cooking, you have like, uh, you know, Sichuan or what, what do you call it? Sichuan. Sichuan, yeah. But it, it looks like a totally different word or. Well, you know what? When you come to things like Chinese language, mm-hmm. if you look at even at Chinese restaurants, at different restaurants, mm-hmm. they will spell it differently. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So That's you, true. You, you can look at it and think, well, in English, if you put those letters together, it would sound sort of like this, but it will look sound differently because it's spelled differently elsewhere. Yeah, and so I was thinking about some of the foods that are coming down the, the pipe here in Seattle pretty soon, you know, like the, the there's a new cheese coming called the, well, when you look at it on paper, it looks like it's Spollard Block, but it's, you don't enunciate the S, it's actually, it's called Ballard Block <laughs> cheese, and then there's the, uh, uh, it looks on paper, it looks like Fravina Rib Chops. Have you seen these Fravina rib chops? No, because they don't exist. But but well, yeah, but they're coming. These things oh. are coming. Oh, okay. Uh, and so uh, there's there's you don't enunciate the F. It's Ravenna rib chops. <laughs> so. Just like Pfreem Brewery in Oregon. Pfreem. Pfreem, where we had lunch. Yeah. It's like no Fpreem. What is it? P F R E I M or P R E I M. It's unpronounceable either way. And it's actually called Fring. I don't know. Oh. We should have asked. We were there. It's we the should have asked. the doorbell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I just, I just wanted to encourage people to learn how to enunciate the names of food you and know, regions. You are a wonderful educator. That's my job. Yep. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that will lead nicely into our monthly discussion, which this, this month I've been thinking about um, how incredibly fast-paced life is. And how we don't focus on anything for more than about 22 seconds. And it's getting worse. What? 
what you're talking about, Willis. So, um, hang on, I got a text. (laughs) (laughs) So, my discussion item this month for you and me is with all these short attention spans that we have, hang on with me here. Um, how does a restaurant stay in business for 10 to 20 years, let alone three? What makes it a place that you want to go back to? Hmm. And, and even, even if you have those answers, how do you make it happen? It seems, I mean, there are people who have successfully stayed in business and done a very good job with restaurants for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. How is that happening? Because, because it's tough. They, because they don't spend any time on Facebook? Maybe that's it. Huh. I don't know. So, so what draws you to a restaurant? Like, oh, like okay. if you've never so you, been to one, what what would make you go to one you had? Well, never been to? obviously, first thing is going to be you know you want to experience the food. Mm-hmm. That it's a restaurant. You're not going there because <laughs> it's a comedy club. But if they were a comedy club or they acted uh, uh, kind of funny all the time, I'd probably be more inclined to go back more often because yeah. I like the entertainment too. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, the the, the food. Um, if you'd been someplace, what would make you go back versus trying a new place? Uh, if it, well, um, the food has to be good, mm-hmm. and then if the uh, you know if the service is horrible, I, I don't want to go there very often. But if mm. the food's good, I'll I'll put up with that for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, location, you know, if I find someplace that's really good down in Rainier Valley, I'm not going to go down there all the time because it's mm-hmm. too far away from where I live. Yeah. Um. And also on location, I think it gets into parking. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of places that I'd like to go downtown, and we don't go downtown as much as we used to. No. And when we do, we just Uber because the parking's painful, um, you know. And, I, and of course, with with a taxi or Uber or something, you can just be dropped right off at the front door, which is very nice. I don't think I've driven my own car downtown in at least five years. Seriously, really? Yeah. Wow. I sure can't. I don't have a memory of... Of the last time I parked a car downtown yeah. that was mine, Apparently. I've taken one of my motorcycles down because I know that little nook down in the Pike Marketplace where I can park it. Yeah. But I don't go down in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing that happens with people, certainly with me, is that uh, if I'm tired or it's the end of a long day and I'm going to go out, I don't want to try something new. I just want to go to the old familiar. Yeah. You know, so sometimes that plays into it as well. Um, and, and I think, too, I'm kind of a relationship person. So if I know people at a restaurant – in fact, we were at a restaurant last night with friends. Yep. It's a place they go to all the time. And, and they it, seem to know everybody on the staff. Oh, they do. You know, we walked in, and the guy who was behind the bar was, hey, where have you guys been? Because they'd been out of town. Uh-huh. And uh, the person who waited on us, she knew them. She knows what they like to drink. You know, when people know you, they really make an effort in this industry to – to treat you like a valued customer. You yeah, know? and let's and remember that, that not everybody's as animated as these guys are, yeah. and that uh, you know, just because you're not getting that kind of treatment, you get it when you when you put it out. When you put it out, yeah. if you don't, if you don't act openly toward these people, they're not going to you know wrap their arms around you every yeah. time you walk through the door. But yeah. that's your own choice, you know. Yeah, and if you go someplace a lot, they will remember you. You know, uh-huh. Whether it's uh, actually in their minds or if it's an open table on their yeah, when we go to our little that, Saturday breakfast thing, they always yeah. remember what we like to order, and yep. you know we're not we're not uh, putting on a comedy show for them or anything. Yeah, but, but you know what they 
they have a lot of regulars, and they know everybody's mm-hmm. order. They do a good job with that. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. So and uh, and uh, ambiance. I like to go somewhere that's got some fun decor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and as part of that, it's it's keeping it clean. You know, we've been in restaurants where there's dust everywhere up on yeah. whatever brick brack they got up on the walls, or even on like fans or ceiling lights. And you're uh-huh. thinking that could come down on my food at any moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but uh, you know, a place we haven't been to in a long time. I think it's still there. Is Bizarro still? It is still there. there. Yeah, uh, we haven't been there in years, but they have yeah. pretty fun uh, ambiance in yeah, there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think the last time I was there was years ago, and it wasn't with you. It was with some girlfriends. So support for the Seattle Dining Show is made possible by <laughs> Bizarro. Come check out our bric-a-brac, <laughs> which is clean. <laughs> We just dust. We dust every Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> While you dine. Oh gosh! Anything else you want to add to that? Uh, no, I think I think we covered most of the bases. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, let's head off into where we've been eating. Then, um, I'll, you want to go back and forth? I'll tell you my first one. Okay. Um, was Nermal's down in Pioneer Square, and I've been hearing about it ever since it opened, which has been a couple years, I think, and. It's interesting because the first bunch of news that came out about it was people were kind of upset that it seemed to be too expensive for Indian food. And it's that same thing where, for some reason in this country, we think ethnic food should be cheap, maybe because it used to be. Is Nirmal an Indian word? I, I think it's somebody's name. Oh. Um, Hi, I'm, I'm Nirmal. I'm not normal, but I'm Nirmal. <laughs> Don't make fun of people's names. We're going to send you back to cheese naming school. Um. So I was thinking, you know, they're not doing the typical lunch buffet. So, you know, people are upset about it. So we went, and I was uh, glad to try it, but I was, I have to say, a little disappointed. It wasn't warm service. I mean, they, they were like, yeah, whatever. And, uh, and I thought it was um, not highly spiced, not highly seasoned. Mm. Now, that may be very much on purpose. You know, um, it's, a, it's a different sort of food, but it was just not very interesting. Which made me sad. I thought I was going to really have a new favorite place. Mm, what interesting. A- yeah. What about you? Um, well, we went to uh, Brasserie 4 in Walla Walla the other day. We did? Uh, where they have the uh, Holler Hawker cheese. Yes. And uh, it was an educational meal. It was incredibly loud oh, yeah. inside. Yeah. Incredibly loud. Um, you know, I was downtown in a municipal office, and the, the rooms in these municipal offices downtown are very quiet. And I can't hear anything anybody says because it suck up all the sound. Oh. And and it's like, why can't people build restaurants like that? Yeah, it's because because uh, the taxpayers aren't paying for their restaurant. Yeah, but the food was really good. I had a uh, a scallop. He, you had coquille Saint Jacques. There you go. See, I couldn't enunciate that. Um, so it was a, a scallop and morel mushrooms in a sort of a gravy and it's a cream uh, sauce. A what? Cream sauce. A cream sauce, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had the holler hucker cheese broiled over the top of it. And uh, quite good, quite good. I tried your scallop, too, one of the scallops. Well, right, too. And uh, they were cooked perfectly. Yeah. They were almost raw in the center, but not. You know, so they weren't rubbery at all. And they were just perfectly cooked. Well, you know, I did, I did one of my favorite little things, which is uh, try to recreate the recipe. 
Oh, yeah. And I realized how complex it is oh. to make that sauce. Uh, the cream sauce, and then, you know, you really, you have to cook the scallops first. You're not going to get them all heated up under the broiler enough to cook them through. Mm-hmm. So then I had to do my homework on, you know, what's the right temperature for a scallop? And the health department says opaque Yeah. when the color goes opaque. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, once I got all done writing up the recipe, I realized this is going to take some work to make some time and just for two people, it's really too much yeah. of a hassle. But. I, I think maybe you never uh, hit Hit this dish in your growing up years. It was one of my favorites when I was in my twenties. No, I never, I never been. Of course, you know, I always used to stay away from scallops and stuff ever since I had my yeah. my uh, brush with uh, bivalves. Yeah, <laughs> my brush with bivalves, <laughs> known as the incident. <laughs> so, also while we were in Walla Walla, we went to Grandma's Kitchen or La Cocina de la Abuela. And on the sign out on the street that hangs over the street, it says Grandma's Kitchen on one side and La Cocina de la Abuela on the other, which I think is sort of funny. But it's an 86-year-old woman whose son um, thought she needed to do so. He was going to have her uh, take her sewing crafts and take them to the farmer's market. And she said, like, no way, I'm going to do sopes. So they were the first Mexican vendor at the Walla Walla Farmer's Market, and that was like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And this was one of our best meals in, uh, yeah, it was quite in good. Walla Walla. It was really good, and really it's a very guacamole. casual place. Yeah. And uh, they, really good sauces. We had a pork dish that was soaked for six hours in a citrus sauce, and then for eight hours, cooked slowly for like eight hours in a adobe, adobo sauce. Adobo sauce, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they put time and care into this, so that was very good. Uh, let's see, okay, we're talking a lot about Walla Walla. Yeah. So next on the list is uh, the Saint and Sinner, which is also a sort of a Mexican restaurant that's new in Walla Walla, and it's opened by the couple who own the Olive Market, right? Yeah, Olive Marketplace and Cafe. Yeah. And they opened their second place was Ox and Cart. Uh-huh. They've closed that and replaced it with the Saint and the Sinner. Yeah, yeah, and um. I thought it was a little heavy duty on some of the spices. I thought they went too far. Mm-hmm. They stole the flavor of the food by putting too much of of one spice into a sauce or or in another sauce. Mm-hmm. Uh, guacamole was good though. Yeah, it's kind of tough having guacamole twice in the same day, though. I got to say. Yeah, that's hard. That's a hardship for you. <laughs> My poor little palate. <laughs> it was green when I got home. <laughs> They, the drinks we had, we both had the same drink, and now I'm. It started with an A, but I can't remember the name of it. But it was quite delicious. It had cinnamon in it. It was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just on the casual side, I went to Yu Chan, Y U space C H A N on Bothell Way. Then who are you? If I'm Chan, who are you? <laughs> Yu Chan. Who's on first? Um, and it was it was fine. You know, it's it's one of those places that I thought because because I have these flights of fancy sometimes. It looks kind of grimy on the outside. That's probably going to be a hole in the wall that I'm going to find the best food in the world. And that's what keeps me out, right? Yeah, now. that keeps you out. And and as it was, I noticed on the way out that they did not have a good rating from the health department, but too late at that point. In fact, it was probably one of the first times you had seen the needs improvement sign. Yeah, it was very flat mouth, no smile at all. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I had... Um, Mongolian beef, and it was pretty good. It wasn't anything hugely special, but, you know, it wasn't terrible or anything, and I have not gotten ill, so there you go. Well, that's good. Yeah. And by the way, congratulations to you and to me 
for not getting hit with the superbug this yes. this uh, winter. We feel it's because we're eating correctly. I think that's it. And there was some uh, data that came up the other day in the news about how uh, they were linking all this GMO stuff that ruins our immune systems to why so many people are getting the flu bug. Yeah. So they don't have any immune systems left when they're eating all these chemicals. Yeah. Uh, okay, back to the uh, original subject. Let's see. <laughs> I went to uh, – we had a lovely lunch at the chef's table inside the kitchen at the Marcus Whitman Hotel. Yeah. <clears throat> it was lovely. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it's not because we're special and elite and all that. Everybody can do it. They can book the chef's table. They'll book it uh, for as, as few as four people. And up and to 11. And take up to 10. And uh, and it's not not that expensive. It's not any more expensive than going to a mid-priced wine dinner. Yeah, and you get the meal, and you get the. I think I, yeah, actually, uh, yeah, we noticed this a lot in Walla Walla on some of these dinners. Uh, you had to pay. You got a really low rate if you just wanted the food, yeah. and then you paid uh, That's a, an common. additional. Really? Yeah, I've it's common around here. Seattle too. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. The nice thing about that chef's table, I think, is that it's in a little indentation. So uh-huh. you are out of the way right. of the staff. You're, they're not, like, tripping over your chair legs or anything and making their lives harder. Yep. But but you're right in front of everything. Yeah, and you get to watch everybody doing their thing. Yeah. For us, it, we were there at lunch, so they don't do lunch. We were watching a lot of prepping going Yeah, on. yeah. But, oh, so. little lamb chops, I want some more. Oh, they were delicious. And they do they do a lot of uh, presentation detail. It's, it's nice. So for me, another casual place, I went to the ranch drive-in in Bothell. That place, the first time I ever became aware of it and put it onto a, uh, I don't think it was Seattle Dining, it was before then, maybe, um, onto a directory, was probably... 16 or 17 years ago, and it had been around a long time by then. So it's just a hamburger place, but if you're sort of in that age range of 50 and 60, it's like going back to your childhood when your mom said, let's go get a hamburger today. And you'd go like, oh, that's the most special thing in the world. <laughs> Pre-McDonald's Yes. Era. Oh, so cool. You know, And that's what it reminds me of. They've you're not got- a baby boomer. You're a pre-Mac. Yes, I'm a pre-Mac. But anyway, um, very casual, a couple of sandwiches, burgers, a I think there was a hot dog. I can't recall. Onion rings, malts, milkshakes, you know, that kind of thing. But fun, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Let's see. Okay. And then we we mentioned that we were out with some friends last night. We went to Shiku in Ballard, which is a a Japanese sort of a sushi place. But they have other dishes as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tell you... um, uh, their regular menu items were really good. We had the little short ribs, and we had the uh, the chicken, chicken sautés, and we had some. Uh, I had some sashimi that was good, but the specials were um, maybe shouldn't have been there. I had a, a salmon sockeye sockeye, so- sockeye salmon that sashimi. was was wild, which is why yeah, you chose which is it. why I got it, and uh, it was uh, really fishy, really stinky, and I sent it back. Um, And then you had a glass of wine that was on the special list, and I thought it tasted like Welch's grape juice. (laughs) It was not the best glass of wine I've ever had. So I would say if you want to explore Shiku, explore the regular menu. Mm -hmm. Um, The last one I'm going to talk about um, was actually in Los Angeles when we were there a while ago, and it was called the Fish Bar. 
And the reason I liked it so much was that we were there on Thursday, and it's Lobster Thursday. Oh, yeah. But did we talk about this last month? It seems familiar. But it was $28 for a homemade lobster. Yeah. You know, claws and everything, and they crack it for you. And, uh, and you guys all had big bibs on. Well, I'm the only one who got the lobster, so I was the only <laughs> fool. But um, I didn't care. It was really good. It was a lively place. All right. Well, the last one I'm going to talk about, I went to this restaurant, and uh, I decided I was just going to go a la carte on everything. So here's, uh, here's my price, prices. <laughs> Cup of coffee, three seventy five. That's pretty reasonable. Really? I don't drink coffee. That seems high. Yeah, well. It probably isn't anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Yeah, maybe that's a little high. Okay, a side of chicken sausage, $4. That's reasonable. That's reasonable. Uh, A side of fruit, $4.50. That's about the going price. Or less. Um, One egg. And this is a, they said it was a a farm, or a. Organic? uh, Yeah, but a pastured chicken egg, uh, $1.75. If it's for real- an organic pastured chicken egg. Yeah, that seems low. That's really low. But here's the kicker. One pancake, $9. Come on. The $9 pancake fiasco. Do you think that's real or do you think somebody made a mistake? No, it says it on yeah, the menu, it, yeah. too. Oh, does it? And it prints it out. It's not like it says yeah. pancake. See? Yeah. We have yeah. the receipt in front of us here. Yeah. And this was uh, food that I got at the Portage Bay Cafe. So let's just say for that, he got coffee, a pancake, chicken sausage, some fruit, and an egg. $25, $25. for one person. Yeah, and then I'm supposed to tip on top of that, right? Yeah, no, it's not <coughs> going to happen. So uh, uh, anyways, I- I'd say... I'd go back to the Portage Bay Cafe again. Uh, I just wouldn't get a pancake. Yeah, you'd be careful about what you're ordering because some of that was very reasonable. I don't eat pancakes very often. so mm-hmm. um, And now you really won't. I get a little hankering for them, and I don't want to cook them at home. But uh, I would have to skip the pancake at the Portage oh, Bay Cafe. No kidding. Well, on that note, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll look at the latest tidbits from our News Bites file. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Swiftwater Cellars, a Northwest winery destination in Clee Ellum, celebrating locally inspired menus in beautiful surroundings. Now also open in Bellevue. Find them at SwiftwaterCellars.com and SwiftwaterCellarsBellevue.com. Hi, I'm Corey Nagler from Walla Walla, and when I'm in Seattle, I eat at La Carta de Oaxaca. This is Uli from Uli's Famous Sausage in the Pike Place Market, and you listen to the Seattle Dining Show. The Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Aaron, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, our beautiful, lovely senior editor. Beautiful and lovely. And uh, we're going to roll into the news bites portion of the show here. Uh, you can keep up with our news bites as they happen by uh, following our news bites column on seattledining.com or uh, if you're a Twitter user, you can just subscribe to uh, Seattle Dining One on Twitter, and you'll get the feed there. So many ways to enjoy us, really. So what? So many ways to enjoy us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll follow you everywhere you go, <laughs> and 
And we're not calling it stalking. We're just saying. No, because, yeah. But actually, that would be talking because you don't enunciate the S. Oh, that's right. It's another cheese thing, another other language thing. So there's a lot of of things going on that we've seen over the last 30 days. Let's go roll through them. Go ahead. We've got a couple of closures. Um, Rue in Fremont, brick and mortar closed on the 18th of February. It apparently has been sold, and there's some new concept going in. I'm not sure that's been announced yet, so I'm going to keep on it until I find out. Oh, now I know how to finally enunciate that. I also thought it was like rocks. Rocks. See, another, another example of how you should learn other languages. Yeah, like Louisiana. Well, French in this case. <laughs> you know about Rue. You, you've made Rue to cook with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Rue was a character in Winnie the Pooh, right? Well, spelled R-O-O in the very American oh, way. Oh, I should probably take a class in uh, English. You know, I would really encourage that. <laughs> Learn how to spell. <laughs> so Green Lake Bar and Grill also closed in February. Um, at first it was a rumor that it was going to turn into a lunchbox laboratory, but um, Thursday I heard it from a normally pretty good source that it is going to be a lunchbox lab. So we'll see. Oh, Okay. Yeah. I, I kept thinking they were just going to gentrify that neighborhood more. Yeah. But. Um, well, this one kind of broke my heart when I saw it go by. Uh, mm. The Adriatic Grill in Tacoma closed. Uh, the owner is selling the property, so no lease available. And I guess they're probably going to tear that down and build a four-story building in the parking lot there. Or probably. It's kind of in a in a little shopping area, so mm-hmm. you never know. They're going to get more money for it, certainly. We know that. Then the one we're both excited about is Zane and Wiley's Seattle Steakhouse. Kevin and Teresa Davis are starting another uh, another winery, another restaurant. This will be their fourth, and, of course, they've got the coffee shop. So they're taking over the old Circadia location, you know, Circadia that lasted six months? Yeah, and you talk about ambiance that probably drove people away. I mean, Circadia had those crazy chandeliers yeah. and the, like the blue velvet bar stools. And it looked a little <laughs> house of ill repute to me. And I just saw pictures. I can't really say what the feeling was when you went in. But you know what? The good news is Teresa Davis is going to get in there. And she's going to get her hands on those chandeliers. And you remember what she did to that fish at, at uh, <laughs> that was in ocean air yeah. and how she fixed it up. And it, yeah. it's hanging in Blue Acre today. So I think those chandeliers are going to pop up somewhere. She'll do something interesting. Uh, let's see. Uh, Esther's Enoteca. Enoteca. See, See? I, that, and this why is Italian. Why have you read these? I I need to hear other people read them so that I. Well, you've uh, you know how long did you work for Serafina? Serafina Enoteca. Oh, never called it that, but okay. Uh, so this is a Nick and Trish Carlino who had Piccolo in Maple Leaf for ten years. We went there once and never went back. Um, this is okay. So this is a new restaurant opening, hopefully. By the time you hear this broadcast, <laughs> at uh, 3426 Fremont Avenue North, the old homegrown spot. In Fremont, yeah. And uh, probably going to be a f- fast, casual well, restaurant. Bar. A fast, casual restaurant, like counter service at lunch and then a wine bar in the evening. Oh, I see. I, I didn't um, use my commas and semicolons very effectively. Hmm. 
Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to try that one night. You know, I'm sort of excited about the next two because I'm. you and I always say, there's no good Chinese restaurants in here. And uh, down in the um, big new Southport Mixed Juice Development in Renton at the end of the lake uh-huh. is a fine dining Chinese um, restaurant going in called Black Rooster. It's going to be big, 300 seats, hopefully opening in September. They'll be using traditional Chinese cooking methods, but ingredients from across Washington. And they're saying fresh, healthy, organic. I'm crossing my fingers. Yeah, so that could be very... And, and again, per our discussion earlier, location, 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 Renton is not close to either yeah, one of Yeah, even if I like it, I won't be going down there that yeah. often. But, but nonetheless, it will probably have a lot of parking. So at least if you go down there, you'll yeah. be able to just park and go in. And then t- tell us about the... Uh, the next the one dollar. is, it's, I think it's, the way I've heard it pronounced is dollar, <laughs> which made all of us laugh because it's like, is it really cheap? The dollar shop? It's only got one L in it, so yeah. I thought it was the dollar. It may be. You know how these things are. But it's, uh, this place has over 50 locations worldwide, and it is taking over the wild ginger spot that was in the shops at the Bravern in Bellevue. Mm-hmm. It's happening this spring. It's a hot pot kind of place. So we'll see. Well, we wish them all the best of luck in that yeah. location because that location has been doomed since day one. Yeah. You know, I went out and looked at their website, and I mean, they're, they're all over the place, and they're coming to Sydney, Australia soon. I looked at, they have menus up in places that are open already, and there were some things that were expensive, like 25 bucks, um, and I it was for fish or shellfish or something. But most of the prices on it didn't look expensive, which is interesting to me that it's at the shops at the Bravern, mm-hmm. because they're very high-end in all ways. Yeah. So I, I don't know if the maybe what I looked at briefly on the menu wasn't really indicative of what it's going to be, or they're trying something new at the shops. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, for all you Lower Queen Anne Uptown folks, you already know that 10 Mercer closed on December 31st. And there's apparently a new owner who's bringing in a new concept. And uh, we don't have a whole lot of de- details right now. Maybe as we get them, we'll yeah. flip them up in news bites. I had a few other details on it, but it all seemed very vague, and I didn't want to talk about it until I knew more. So there's a Moshi Moshi going into Tacoma, and interestingly, it is not connected to Moshi Moshi and Ballard. So I think there's going to be a little name fight going on there. Yeah, and, and you know... It was such a great name, they had to name it the same thing twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, we saw a liquor license request go by recently for the Ballard Republic Bar and Grill, which is now under construction on Ballard Avenue Northwest. And uh, it says it may be a nightclub, so we'll yeah. have to see what happens. Um, that's another interesting thing, too. Just like Moshi Moshi's not connected to Moshi Moshi, Ballard Republic Barn Grill is not connected at all to Republic. Can we get the Kingsmen to perform Louie Louie when Moshi Moshi opens oh. and they can just sing Moshi Moshi for every time they say Louie Louie? You know, this is why I call you a marketing genius. <laughs> I don't get it. All right. Uh, that's our news bites. Uh, we're going to take a little break. We'll come back with the calendar. Lots of good stuff going on this month on the calendar. So stick with us. 
Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, this is Julie from Willamette Valley Vineyards in Salem, Oregon. If you're ever in the Salem area, visit Bentley's in the Grand Hotel. Nice place to have a bite to eat and a good drink. Hey, I'm Jared Burns, owner and winemaker at Revelry Vintners, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We're back on the Seattle Dining Show, and we're going to uh, cover this month's calendar. Uh, Of course, it's the first of the month, so we may not know everything that you need to know. Uh, And you can just uh, follow our calendar anytime you want to go online, seattledining.com, and click the calendar link, and you will see everything that is current. And also, if you are a restaurant or a winery that does events or a distillery or something, you can put your own events up on our calendar. Take advantage. It's free. Yeah. And I don't want you sending your bots over and just making up events. I, yeah. I, I'm only going to post up the real events. Exactly. We don't have that problem anymore. No. For a while, that was really ugly. Oh, that was horrible. That guy oh. in Greece, he was driving me nuts. <laughs> we couldn't even pronounce his name. We should take Greek, too. <laughs> so March is Washington Wine Month, as I'm sure all of you know. And uh, this month, Russell Lowell has gone crazy out at the loft. He's doing a winemaker dinner each Thursday of the month. So um, prices vary slightly. Uh, all include tax and grat, and all of them start at 6.30 p.m. So the first one is get out there fast if you're just listening to this. It's March 1st. It's Obelisco Estates. It's $135 per person. Long Shadows on March 8th is $135 also. Walla Walla Vintners on March 15th is $125. Ashley Trout, who we were kind of learning about while we were over in Walla Walla, is on March 22nd. She's $120. Alexandria Nicole, March 29th, and that's $125. I wonder, wonder why it doesn't just do like $135 or $130 across the board on them all. How come some are like $5 less? Or? I think it's it has to do with the price of their wines. Huh. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, Obelisco's got to pay for those bottles, man. Those, those are, are heavy. Yeah, they look yeah. like magnums, and there's yeah. only only seven fifty in them. So. You know, the other thing is, um, Obelisco is not only relatively expensive wine, but it's it's mainly reds, and so he might be doing a menu that's heavier on, you know, a New York steak or something like that, as opposed oh, yeah. to some, you know. So that I'm sure it, it's the cost between the food and the wine. Yeah, and uh, Alexander and Nicole, they have uh, that white wine I like, uh, Albarino. The Albarino. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, Lombardi's up in. Uh, well, there's. Uh, oh, I see. We got we got three different Lombardi's events. Two of them are in Mill Creek, and one of them's at Everett. So let me run you through them real quick. Uh, on the uh, Thursday, March first, uh, the Spirit Society is having their first event. Is having their first event about Amaro at the Mill Creek location. And uh, Keith Schramm from Campari is going to be on hand to do an overview of Amaro. What is Amaro? It's a liqueur. 
A liqueur, okay. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know everything. <laughs> That's why I got hired. Um, I have an open mind. Uh, okay, then the second event is going to be Tuesday, March 20th. This is called uh, March Club W, which stands for women. And uh, oh, wouldn't you know it, uh, Alexander Nicole at the Mill Creek location. Uh, $35, tickets on the website, features four wines and four small bites. You know, this was interesting to me because I hadn't really seen their March their Club W thing. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was actually stood for wine. But it's apparently just something they do for women who love wine and want to socialize. So men can't go to this? Apparently not. Okay. So just, there, just there you FYI. go, guys. Or yeah, find something else yeah, to do. Or, or call and find out if I'm just making that up. But it said women. Uh, but, uh, but the boys can go to this one, and this yeah. is going to be a good one. Uh, Chef's Wine Dinner featuring the Hedges Family Estate at the Everett location. It's going to be on uh, Saturday, March 24th, $90 per person, includes tax and grat, and uh, tickets are on the website. That's that's one. Uh, I hope they call us and say, Tom Conley, we have an extra seats for you. <laughs> yeah, you and all your friends. On Friday, March 2nd, Delicatus is doing a Slovenian dinner. That would be interesting. I do not know anything about Slovenian food. Isn't that what they – don't they just uh, abbreviate that and call it slow food? Oh, that's what it is. It must be healthy for you. <laughs> Four courses, $55, includes tax and grat. Um, and there's more information out there that I didn't want to just – you know, it was a lot. So just go to our website and look on the calendar and, and get more info. Actually, that's what it was. There was so little information. So get their info on Delicatus and, and get out to their website. Okay. Uh, Saturday, March 3rd, Daniel's Broiler in Bellevue is having a bourbon bash. How appropriate for Washington Wine Month. (laughs) Uh, So this is their seventh annual bourbon bash, so it must be popular. And uh, it's $125 unless you want the polo shirt with the logo. Then it's $180. That seems like a big jump for a shirt to me. Well, you know, it's a polo. Yeah, with Uh, a logo, for God's sake. $55 for a polo shirt. That's a deal. Yeah. Um, let's see. It's going to be a large collection of bourbon and rye whiskeys. One of the largest collections of bourbon and rye whiskey. On the West Coast. And they will be featuring uh, local distillers as well as brand reps on hand to answer your questions. Yeah. Then on Saturday, March 3rd, there's a lot right in the first part of the month. This is interesting. Yeah, We're going we to have to make choices. Yeah, quick, huh? Yeah. The Cabernet Classic from 6 to 9 p.m. Tickets are $75 or VIP for 100 this is one of they've done this um, numerous times too, very over the years, and it takes place at the Porsche Bellevue. Apparently, they're at a new location, one one nine one zero Northeast Eighth Street. They'll have over fifty of the best cabs from twenty five of Washington's premier wineries. Will any of those cabs take you home when you're done? Boy, wouldn't that be a good thing? You could drink it and get home safely. Hmm. Or maybe to just let you drive a Porsche home after you've been drinking. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, Monday, March 5th, the Venia Wine Dinner at Staple and Fancy starts at 6.30 p.m. Chef David Glass, winemaker Chris Peterson are on hand. $120 plus tax and gratuity. Uh, five courses. You can see more details on our calendar uh, for all the tasty menu highlights. Yeah. Um, Serafina and Cicchetti are doing two events in March. One is a wine dinner with Renato Ratti, 
at 6.30 p.m., $115 plus tax and grad. Um, Renato died several years ago suddenly. I don't think he was really ready to go, but his son, who had been working with him all along, has taken over, and he's really taken that winery big time. So he's going to be there, and it's a four-course dinner. So that should be great. And I don't know if it's in Serafina or Chiquetti or maybe both. I'm thinking the wine dinner is at Serafina. The next thing is on March 10th, and it's a scotch class. And I think they usually do the oh, cocktail yeah. classes over at Chiquetti. Yeah, and probably upstairs. Huh? Yeah. And you know what? If they totally sell out, who knows? Maybe they'll use the Chiquetti area for the wine dinner, too. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's difficult because usually, you know, like Pietro would speak. And if you're in another building, you're not going to hear it. So I think it's all going to be at Serafina. Anyway, on March 10th, Saturday at 1 p.m., they're doing a scotch class. That's $80 plus tax and grad. They'll be discussing scotch, how best to use it in cocktails. I was a little confused about this. They said there would be four cocktails to taste plus a four-course paired lunch. So I don't know if that means you get eight cocktails. No. That seems like a lot. you You get a cocktail paired with each of the courses of lunch. Yeah. Well, I think there was tasting, too. So maybe just sips Otherwise or something. Otherwise, you better call an Uber. Yeah, get, get one of those cabs from the Cabernet Classic. <laughs> Have them drive a Porsche over to pick you up. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Saturday, March 17th, Waterways Cruises. This is uh, 8.30 to 11.30 at night. So it's going to be dark on the cruise it's boat. It's St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day. $51 plus tax and grat. Uh, if I'm correct, isn't 17 times 351, March 17th? Yeah. Okay. Uh, 21 and over, uh, cruise Seattle's lakes while dancing to the DJ. Or dancing with the DJ, if you're lucky. You know. <laughs> Irish cocktails, beers, whiskey. Yeah, don't tell me anybody's going to not get sick on that yeah. boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, lots of appetizers. Bring your bring your cast iron stomach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, so that's what we got right now. But we're going to uh, obviously more is going to uh, float into the calendar. So keep an eye online and see what's mm. going on. It's interesting. Usually events are spread over pretty evenly, and this is so heavy on the first part of the month. And the last one we even have at the moment is the seventeenth. So yep. interesting. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we've got an interview with a very special guy, Mr. Josh Henderson. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Blue Acre Seafood, an American seafood restaurant using only the best quality ingredients. Offering delicious combinations and fabulous flavors. Find them at 1700 7th Avenue in downtown Seattle and at blueacreseafood.com. Hi, my name's Randy. I live in Bellevue, and I like Poppy Restaurant in Cap Hill. The variety of food, the excellence of preparation, and the friendliness of staff make it a tremendous place to eat. Hi, this is Janie from Northwest Travel and Life magazine, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Jump left. Jump right. Jump left. Jump right. Jump left. Jump right. Jump left. Jump right.
We are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm the publisher, Tom Marin. I'm here with our senior editor and senior interviewer, Connie Adams. <laughs> and she has a special guest here in the studio today. And I can't say this anymore because David, David Letterman ripped me off. But I would say she's here with a man who needs no introduction. <laughs> Go ahead, Connie, introduce our guest. Oh, okay. Today. I guess he does need an introduction. This is Josh Henderson from Huxley Walls Collective. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? Excellent. Good to be here. Nice to have you here. You know, the last time I interviewed you, it was actually for Skillet on Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. So it's been a couple years. So I think it might be fun to just go back. I was thinking about what you had told me then, a little bit about your history and how this the whole food thing started because you did mobile catering for mm-hmm. movie sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Uh, before I started Skillet, I was doing catering for photographers around mainly the LA area. We would mm-hmm. we would travel around, you know, California and Moab, Utah, and Miami and Hawaii, and basically it would be a, a group of ten to twenty uh, photographers, assistants for whether it was like a car shoot or a model shoot, mm-hmm. um, and I would just cater the meals for the crew for. You know, we would go out sometimes for a week, or sometimes you go out for like twenty days, yeah. and so it was just these long periods of time on a motorhome, just cooking and um, hanging out with yeah. photographers. So it was it was great. I loved it. Yeah, and clearly you had been in the food business, or they wouldn't have hired you to do that. So had you yeah. been working in restaurants, or yeah? So out of uh, I graduated uh, from Western when I was out of high school, and then went to CIA after that okay. in New York, and then that was in man that was. I don't know, 2004 or something like that, three, and uh, maybe earlier, more like, no, it was like 2000. <laughs> I don't know. Years, they go by. Uh, it, was, it was that chunk of time. But um, And then from there, I, I worked for Aramark for a little bit. Yeah. I was a chef at Rosario Resort oh, for yeah. a, a summer. I just, I bounced for like yeah. 10 years, You're just trying to figure out what I kind of wanted to do, yeah. um, and ultimately just came to a conclusion that really I just wanted to work for myself, and yeah. uh, unfortunately, it, it's usually a painful process for some to get to that decision, yeah. um, and so that's uh, that's how it led me there. Yeah. And did you, were you thinking Airstream Taylor, trailer, mm-hmm. or was it one of those things that that's what popped up and you were like, I could use that? That's an interesting question. I, I I feel like I would like to think that I did think Airstream trailer, but mm-hmm. I, I I think I came upon that ad because um, no, we were thinking like a cargo trailer, um. you know, because you could buy a pretty cheap cargo trailer and outfit it. You know, you mm-hmm. wouldn't need much else, and the trailers were less than five grand. And mm-hmm. but um, this guy was he had done Sturgis one year and then decided to that was it he couldn't do anymore and he had outfitted this trailer um, to do I think Philly cheesesteaks oh, and he yeah. had it for sale in Arlington and I just was like hey we'll we'll buy it and I gave him an offer and he said no and so then I think three or four months later he said yes because it just sat there because <laughs> the market for for airstream trailers that were we had a had a, a, a kitchen. rickety kitchen in it was, not, <laughs> yeah, awesome. it was not a big market no no not at all. God. And that turned into, of course, Skillet, the yeah. food truck. Yeah. And then what made you decide to go brick and mortar? Well, I, you know, I, I kind of realized early on that the ceiling for a food truck was limited. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, you, you, your hours of operation and the amount of 
whether it be storage or even firepower, you know, cooking ability, mm-hmm. um, the weather, all that stuff, all these variables that came into play and that, that really flat dictated tires. your sales. Um, yeah, flat tires. Um, the physical aspect of it was really hard. Um, and then, you know, you don't have, you know, a bar, which, you know, yeah. from a margin perspective always helps move the needle a little bit. Yeah. And uh, so I just realized early on that that was important. And I also wanted to, honestly, I just wanted to, you know, kind of, not be pigeonholed into just a street food person. I wanted mm-hmm. to, have, you know, quote, be a little bit more legitimate and have a yeah. restaurant and show that that um, I felt I could do more. Yeah, you did actually publish. Was that twenty twelve? Uh, the street food manifesto. Yeah, yeah. You're laughing. Yeah. That was a big yeah. seller, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I, actually, it, it it it. I think qualifies as a bestseller. I think there's the categories that the that, that New York wow. Times or somebody has, mm-hmm. and I think it's low. It's like you have to sell 4,000 copies or something. Yeah. And I think I've officially qualified as like having that in over 10 years. And um, <laughs> But, it, you know, it, that was at such an early point. I had no real clue of how much time I really should have spent or what I should have asked for in a book. And yeah. um, so the book's fine. You know, it's a yeah. nice little, it's nice little for me, a keepsake, you know, <laughs> to look yeah, back on it. Exactly. But uh, it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's a, a piece of literary uh, masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you thinking more books in the future? Or was that like plenty? Uh, it's funny. I, I, I actually just the other day was thinking, I could see doing something else and maybe it's not entirely just a cookbook. Maybe it's something else, but Mm. I'm not the kind of, there's people who can sit and write a book for months, you know, and, Mm. and that's, you know, I think an awesome talent and that's not that I I can't sit and do that. I would have to have somebody follow me and transcribe my thoughts all the time. Connie just pointed at me. I don't write a book in 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 for months. I, I, I usually do it over about six weeks. Yeah. Start to finish. Yeah. That's, that's a chunk of time. Yeah. It takes still, dedication. And it and when you've got other things going on, like mm-hmm. both of you do, you know, it's yeah. really you have to make That's to be like a job. You have to yeah. carve out yeah. writing time and because everything else will distract you mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. Yeah. Someone like you almost needs a ghostwriter. Yeah, I, I, Rebecca Den did the first one. Oh, okay. Um, and that was the only way, but it still was something that, you know, I I wish I had been able to be a little bit more introspective at that moment, but I was just in it, and I was just trying to just make payroll and survive, and yeah. so dedicating time to that was, um, you know, it was uh, the reason I did it is like honestly there was a I got a signing bonus for it, and I was like I need that cash, yeah. and it's a good marketing, and yeah. you know let's give it a shot, and so it wasn't something that I, I you know I would I, I would like to go back and you know, spend more time on it and really delve into it. Cause I think the recipes are about 80% there <laughs> so, as most of them are yeah. in books, but oh my God. you know, this is about you and not about you, but you were mentioning, you know, you're just trying to make payroll. Mm. And I think that's a, like a cautionary tale people need to hear. Sometimes everybody's like, yeah, people tell me I can cook. I should open a restaurant mm. and they have no idea how much goes into that. I mean, how, how was your learning curve on that? Well, I, I, I think I'm, I hope, still learning. Um, and I, I don't, I certainly don't have it all figured out by any stretch at all. But, um, you know, it's, it's not really about one thing. It's not about the food. It's, you know, it's, it's about so many other things. Um, exactly. So, you know, if you have a great barbecue sauce or you have a great whatever, pancakes, you know, mm-hmm. whatever your great Korean food. I mean, that's part of it, but that's, 
I would almost say that that's probably third or fourth place when it comes to having a successful restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, I don't discourage, I mean, I, you know, for me, the, the calling card for doing something is telling me no. So I, you know, I, I think that, so I don't discourage anybody that says, you know, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I do think it's important that, you know, people, if I were to give my younger self advice and say, listen a little bit more to um, maybe just take the advice in. You don't have to heed it, but just yeah. understand it and, and pay attention to it. As and they're opposed, telling me this for a reason. Yeah, so. and maybe not, not 100% true or 100%. Mm-hmm. There's emotion behind it from them or past yeah. experience, but at the same time, there's still some validity to it. So at least yeah. keep an eye out for it. And everybody's different. So yeah. the struggles they had might not be your struggles, but yeah, exactly. some truth to it. Maybe. Yeah, that's for me, I would say, if one piece of advice would be just to know your weaknesses um, more than your strengths, you yeah. know, and just be able to identify those so you can help mitigate that as you go along. Yeah. Now, why did you end up getting out of Skillet or selling Skillet? You know, when I started, um, I started Skillet um, with an original partner and um, bought, and he ended up being bought out by uh, the partner that actually is there today, Greg. Oh, okay. um, and, you know, I was, I had nothing but equity. I had no money. You know, I had, you know, obviously it's the classic tale of like, you know, somebody that um, has the vision and is the creator and um, is kind of the mastermind, but really doesn't bring any kind of um, cash to the, to mm-hmm. the equation and, and also doesn't bring um, probably skills that are also needed, which would be operational skills, financial mm-hmm. management skills, things that are necessary for running a business every single day, just blocking and tackling stuff. So, um, you know, when I was there, I, so I had to dilute as I went along and I just started, um, I had to bring people on. And, uh, you know, I had to give up shares of equity to bring people in and um, to get cash into the business. And that, you know, enabled us to grow. And But it also meant, you know, I was, you know, I think a, in the end, like a 30% owner of the, of the mm-hmm. company I started. and yeah. Which is fine if you're, you know, everybody always says, you know, you can have a small piece of a big pie or a big piece of a small pie. And mm-hmm. um, that's the theory when you think you're going to grow. But um, growth... Uh, and replication of, of even a concept that is uh, exactly the same is super complicated. So while we had ideas of growing and stuff, it just it, it um, in the end I, I just felt like I would be better off uh, working on my own and mm-hmm. um, from a creative standpoint. And I, I felt like it was necessary for me to be able to do that in an environment that uh, was not you know in the one that I was in. Yeah. So the the bacon jam was kind of a turning point financially um was that just part of the skillet realm and you were only 30 percent in on the revenues out of that or or was there a separate royalty coming to you for the bacon jam so bacon jam never made a dollar um just get that out there i mean it made money it obviously made money in the sense of revenue but it never was profitable um it's just you know retail business is hard we were small. It would have been we would have been better off to just sell it out of the stores. You know, that would have been a better way to go and, yeah. and mail order it um, than yeah. to try and go into brick and mortars and little like candy shops or whatever else yeah. and try and sell it on a stack somewhere. It's just that's just a, uh, it's a recipe unless you're unless you're you have the millions of dollars to create shelf space for your product in a grocery store or mm-hmm. in places you know in large markets. Um, 
and really throw the money at the brokers and throw the money at the, the marketing, you're really probably not going to get a foothold, especially mm-hmm. in a niche market like Bacon Jam, which there's not a niche market. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> it's, it's, its own, little it's its own thing. Maybe it yeah. belongs in the kind pesto, of invented its own little market. pesto category or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, so yeah, I, I uh, all the businesses were separately separate uh, individual LLCs, and you know I had varying degrees of, of ownership in them. And um, but uh, Bacon Jam, yeah, never never made oh, any money. But after the Oprah thing, it was like a big deal. So yeah, I mean, of course, you know, all that is those are all flashes in the pan. So after um, we were actually put on Martha Stewart's. Um, Christmas guide. Oh, so that okay. we were at a moment there. It was I think like oh, November. Too. Okay. Yeah, we were. It was November, and we were um, uh, at the time thinking like, "Oh my God, I gotta maybe I gotta get a job," <laughs> you know. And, <laughs> yes. and we were down to you know maybe six to eight weeks of uh, being able to really sort of like make it work. Yeah. Um, and so um, we we got a call that we were in their uh, Christmas guide and. And so subsequently over the course of, man, over six weeks from November into December, um, we sold around $140,000 of bacon jam. And we were just making it wow. and jarring it and selling it and <laughs> jarring it and selling it. And we you know, stopped street food for four weeks when we realized we were really behind yeah. and started pulling anybody we could in to just make bacon jam. And, um, and so that money you know kept operations going till mm-hmm. september i mean through the summer so we can get back to catering and get back to street food um and that's really what kept the business going yeah. to sort of the next the next yeah. stage that's amazing but that was it i mean it didn't like it didn't turn the tide to you know to yeah to something else You're that we can't catch up you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's it's still it was still bacon jam and, and that's you know it happens every gift season there's some hot thing that yeah. people want yeah. and it'll go away and yeah. you know it, it we were i remember it was a bit of a wake-up call because we i think we were in time magazine at one point and at, and then we were like in usa today and we were all these publications within like wow. two to three weeks of each other and they were all talking about street food and how we're a part of it and you know kind of being a, uh, a, a sort of a, a creator of, of that category, and and uh, I realized that um, that was a flash in the pan pretty quickly because yeah. that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You know, it, it's great Two for that later, moment. Two weeks later, no one knows. You yeah. know, and um, I slowly started realizing when people would come up um, with uh, and not have ever heard of us, and I kept thinking that is just that blew me away because I felt like we were, you know, in your own mind, you're everywhere. <laughs> it's yeah. like no. You're a small little blip, you know, yeah. and uh, so you know that's uh, those wow. are good lessons. Did, is that sort of the same deal with awards too? I mean, you were like you know Star Chefs, Rising mm-hmm. Star, um, all that stuff. You mm-hmm. had a number of them. Um, most influential person in Seattle Magazine in 2010, 40 under 40 in Puget Sound Business Journal mm-hmm. in 2020. Is that kind of the same thing? Yeah, it's like you get some notoriety and then it's the next year and yeah, it's. I mean, you know, you could even take it all the way to Westward. You know, we were. Um, you know James Beard design, and you know we had a couple of awards there, and and I mean not that Westward's suffering; it's just it's a different restaurant now um, in some aspects. But it's you have to kind of feed that beast constantly, yeah. um, and you have to constantly be if you if that if that's what matters to you if, if being out in magazines and being um, on the front of sort of food and wine, all that kind mm-hmm. of uh, buzz is what's important. Um, probably isn't going to happen for you because that shouldn't be your goal because i think the people who are in that world um and operate sort of in that stratosphere all the time um that's not their plan it's just they happen to sort of be in that sort of world because it's just it's honestly it's just a big just a big uh 
you know popular circle you know like whether you're in new york or la that most of them are in that in those cities or san francisco um so you know i I just it's it's um i would rather have a, a business that is um, consistent has uh, great staff. Serves a consistent uh, uh, product um, and has amazing hospitality and is profitable. Yeah. And that to me will be <laughs> have greater funny. longevity. I would rather win a uh, a James Beard for like you know um, you know whatever the longevity award yeah, or like something the, like the that. Classic award. Yeah. You know, singularly owned and yeah. you've been in business ten years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be that would be a, a, an honor. Now. You started uh, Huxley Walls Collective, and then now you've got one, two, three, four, five, six. Is that right? Six or seven places. Yeah. Um, is that your next iteration? Like, if you really want to be profitable, you've got to kind of be spread out. And I mean, what's the? Uh, how do you come up with the concepts and why? You know, it was. I don't know if it was just uh, coincidental timing that everything worked, but you've done a lot of opening. Yeah, in we, a short amount of time. We were pretty aggressive there um, for about. 18 months and it was just because we had been handed a number of deals that we felt were ones we couldn't pass Um, and some worked some didn't Um, and we knew the risks and we knew sort of how that would pencil out potentially in a good or bad scenario Mm -hmm. and um, so you know I don't look back I've I've just you know I've made a choice in my life not to look back and at least like have regrets about Mm -hmm. it um, I'd certainly, you know, learn lessons and say, would yeah. you do it again? We'd probably do it a little differently, but mm-hmm. um, that's but that's just because it's not, you know, blowing the doors off. But if it was amazing, we'd be like, well, of course we'd do it again, you know? Yeah. So it's all just about, you know, how it pans out. But, um, yeah, we we went pretty hard on it, and, and uh, I wouldn't say that our... our uh, method is is the way to follow at all um but i think that um i do think that there's there's some things that are working and and others that that aren't but that's just Mm -hmm. the nature of restaurants and that's the nature of business you constantly have to just get up every day and grind well and what worked today might not work tomorrow Mm -hmm. so even Mm -hmm. something that's going well has to be tweaked yeah and i think um the whole south lake union thing Mm -hmm. i think is a good example of that i can't tell you how many places in seattle i've talked to people and they were promised, you know, this is what the demographic is going to be. We've got people above you and all the whatever company, whether it's Amazon or Google, everybody's going to be in. And right. it doesn't happen as fast as they think, and restaurants can't do it. Right. And so I think South Lake Union was kind of like that. There was no dinner business, really, which nobody thought would happen. And mm-hmm. um, So you've really revamped that area. I mean, you had three. You've closed two and turned one into Kiki Ramen. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame anybody. I mean, you're, we're all we're all adults here, you know. Yeah. We put on our pants every day and hopefully and <laughs> go and yeah. sign leases. And so, you know, to say that it's, you know, some person, like whether it be Amazon or a broker or somebody's fault i mean that's Who's to me that's that that doesn't um that would i could spend my whole life blaming people and uh and no one can see into the future so no and i so you know we um we had some hits down there and we also had some misses um we did some of our best cooking that just didn't resonate you know and mm-hmm. so i mean there's there's things that uh fly in the face of what you think is um logical and um but that's just the nature of learning and and mm-hmm. so you know Fortunately for us, you know, the cost of our learning didn't take our business down, yeah. but it certainly impacts us. I got a, you know, a million dollar SBA loan that I'm going to be paying for the next seven oh, years, you know, and, and that's 
what the business that's a cost you know or yeah. consequence of of making a choice that didn't work out or maybe it wasn't planned as well or you mm -hmm. know you can look at all the different reasons but um that's uh that's the the, the way it works yeah. uh let's take a little break and then when we come back let's talk about what josh has been up to more recently support for seattle dining and the seattle dining show is provided in part by Revolve True Food and Wine Bar in Bothell, where a passion for wellness, wonderful food, and good wine infuses everything they do. All menu items are free of gluten, grains, preservatives, trans fats, GMO, and soy. Enjoy wild seafood, organic farm fresh eggs, and seasonal organic produce. Find them at revolvefoodwine.com. Hi, I'm Brad from Snohomish. One of my favorite restaurants is Daniel's Broiler, where I enjoy a good ribeye. This is Michael out of Portland, Oregon with Red Duck Foods, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. location yeah. and just talk about how it's going and what mm -hmm. you kind of foresee for the future for so for westward you're on north lake union mm -hmm. it's a it's a killer spot i mean yeah. i've been there at events and things like that um before you and it's just like i was so happy when you got that it's got that great oyster bar inside mm -hmm. and you, you mentioned a minute ago it's not the same restaurant it was in the beginning so mm -hmm. what's changed well we had uh zoe who was our yeah. chef there in the beginning um i think that um in the beginning, we were probably a restaurant that was um, highly focused on um, the food, um, and that was really probably what was number one and what mattered most is about being a restaurant that defined sort of a cuisine. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, for me personally, and this is, you know, how we, you know, all choose to do our business, you know. Um, Zoe and, and us, we parted ways, and uh, it was, I think, uh, important for us to sort of transition there, and uh, we had, I think, different uh, visions on what we felt the restaurant should be, mm -hmm. um, and for me, I think the restaurant um, needs to be one, which I think it is now, um, that is focused on um, hospitality, focused on making people feel like they're a part of um, whether it be a party or an event or just something that they're in a place that's special. Mm -hmm. And um, while at the same time we also do focus on, I think, making amazing food and um, that we, we do focus on making sure that the, the, the ingredients we use are, are of the best quality. And, and, um, but we're, we're not, I don't ever plan on that restaurant. It's never going to win probably a, a, either a best, I mean, maybe it will win best chef, but it wouldn't win a best restaurant, uh, you know, Northwest just because yeah. that's not the style of restaurant it is. It's a restaurant that is large. It's, you know, most restaurants like that tend to, um, get, uh, you know, overlooked because they're kind of beasts in the mm -hmm. summer. Um, and so for me, that restaurant is, you know, my hope is, is that it becomes more of an iconic northwest pacific sort of northwest yeah. seafood by the water restaurant that yeah. people know it as this place um well, that also go. we get amazing oysters and, and beautiful wine and, and i mean the the care that goes into that restaurant from our staff there um our gm austin and our executive chef will um is um 
I, I couldn't ask for anything more. Those guys um, care so deeply about that place and about every plate and about every customer and the amount of attention that goes into, you know, whether it be lineups and how we talk to our staff and how we actually talk to our guests mm -hmm. um, is how exactly I want the restaurant to be. I want every guest to feel like they're, you know, coming in and having an amazing and beautiful time with a glass of rosé next to the Adirondacks, next to the fire pit, watching the sunset. There you, you know, go. See, having some oysters. Best outdoor experience. Yeah, I think it's, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 And a little quieter than Ivers down the street, yeah. which is right under the freeway. Different vibe, mm -hmm. yeah. No. So let's look at Kiki Ramen. Mm -hmm. That's a traditional ramen shop. What mm -hmm. made you go that direction? Well, the neighborhood. I mean, I figured noodles would win. Yeah. So, you know, let's do some noodles and uh, and not make it too... Um, chefy mm -hmm. um i felt like let's just go straight over tackle and and uh try and make it so that we can make something that will work there um and so i didn't want to overthink it too much and so that one that one i think is for me it's it's a solid spot i think that it's still kind of finding itself mm -hmm. um you know we're gonna little things like we're gonna start karaoke there at some point you know we're gonna continue to sort of work on uh, the broths that we're doing and, and the, the way the bowls are presented all just little mm -hmm. things that we're constantly wanting to tweak you know yeah. for me it's like the gyoza the gyoza is not getting cooked properly right now and it's, and it's bothering me and yeah. so those kind of things are continual making sure that we find um, ways to improve um, even if no one's asking for it yeah. um, and making sure that we also are delivering consistency um, ramen's a, a unique one um, because it's very personal um, you know, we, we have the reviews there are, are mixed. Um, and I think it's because ramen is such a personal thing that if it's not exactly how right. someone wants it, then it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, we taste it. I think we all trust our taste buds and we mm -hmm. all trust, uh, trust, uh, sort of our ability to, um, analyze food. And, um, so we're happy with, with how a lot of it comes out and there's nothing's mm -hmm. ever perfect, but. Um, but that one's that one for me is is a work in progress, but also I think is really solid. I'm, I'm happy with beyond happy with the decision we made to change, um, and uh, it's you know it's a profitable restaurant. It, it's consistent. I think people generally you know like it down there, yeah. um, and it's just gonna as the neighborhood grows and as that you know third Amazon building goes up mm -hmm. and that little corner there becomes kind of the epicenter with yeah. uh, you know Jeff Bezos's balls right there it's you know gonna be this like <laughs> hub of yeah. a place and uh yeah. so we'll we'll uh we're happy to be there yeah that's great yeah and then quality athletics when did that go in in pioneer square that was number two that was second we uh i think it was uh 15 maybe 14 15 oh, okay. something like that okay. um and uh that was you know again that one for us for, for you know for my restaurants i you know i've heard from a couple folks take a while to sort of like find themselves and to figure out what what exactly you know mm -hmm. they need to be um and uh so that one took a, a little bit of time um and again it really is you know comes down to leadership it comes down to finding the right people that take the the it under their arms um and make it theirs you know from a gm or chef mm -hmm. standpoint and we our, our teams at both westward um kiki and uh uh um quality athletics are, are really strong okay. um and they just are are super committed to um you know not only the guest experience but also keeping the 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 bar and keep keep pushing it so mm -hmm. um quality athletics is a great spot it's uh, again another spot that i think is just going to continue to grow down there yeah, yeah. that neighborhood is just going to keep you know growing 
Um, and uh, I like I like where it's at. Yeah. Um, but for a while, there was a just a huge growth of restaurants down there, and then it really mm-hmm. slowed, and a couple closed. Yeah. But it it seems to me it can't help but keep growing. Yeah, I, I mean, there's more residents, I think, going in there. I think hotels are great. There's one going on That's the corner right. there. and right. um, There's another one planned right next to FX, I think, in two years. So yeah. there's, you know, lots of uh, lots of stuff happening down there. So cool. I'm, I'm happy with Kiki's location. I'm happy with Quality's location. Um, those two are, I think, poised for yeah. growth. What do you think about the St. Helens location? That's, uh, I mean, in theory, you know, with 2,000 riders a day, on the Burt Gilman and a neighborhood that's right there and has shown a commitment to restaurants um, in the neighborhood that, that resonate with them. You know, there's, there's a ton there that, that have been there for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like restaurants go there to die. Yeah. They, that's true, do, yeah. they go there to just hopefully give people what yeah. they want. So, you know, for us, we, we, I think overthought St. Helens in the beginning. Um, even though it, it's funny because, even though some of the best work we do is at the beginning of these, uh-huh. um, it doesn't always resonate. Yeah, um, the consumer but, doesn't always bite. Yeah, and, and so I, I, you know, we're we're still in the process of figuring. out. I will say that St. Helens is um, from year over year we're up twenty percent this year than okay. last year. So the trend is, you know, we 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 stem the tide <laughs> of. Uh, <laughs> Of trying to figure it out um, and not being too fancy or fussy. Um, but you didn't kowtow to the lower quality of jacks across the street, right? No, I mean, again, I, I, I you know, I don't know if uh, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I said it, you didn't. So. But I, I mean, I, I, I have great respect for restaurants that um, have longevity, whether they serve, you know, a Snicker bar on a on a piece of toast, yeah. or they're serving truffles. You know, I mean, I, it's, uh, it's harder for I think. You know, I imagine like these teriyaki places that stay open for 20 years, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. and they just grind and they sell their $9 teriyaki yeah. and they sell 100 of them a day or whatever. And, and they just, you know, they make it work. And um, so I have great respect for, for restaurateurs and chefs and um, that can that can make that happen. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we certainly are trying to stay the course in sort of our lane mm-hmm. um, at the same time really trying to make it so that it feels approachable and you know I, I it's going to keep morphing I mean I have ideas about what St. Helens kind of needs to be maybe mm-hmm. it needs to be more of a bar you know because you know I, I don't know I, I just it, it needs to sort of it, it feels like you're sort of like this this peg and you're just sort of trying to find where it finally fits and then you're like okay there that's where yeah. it fits and you know, Westward and Quality to me have have hit that mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really feel like they sort of they they feel they feel finished in a sense to mm-hmm. me, not in finished in a bad way, but just like I feel good about where they're at. Uh, Kiki, I think, is really close. It's it's closer than St. Helens, and I think St. Helens will will uh, kind of pull up the pull up the rear and, uh, and yeah. make it happen in the end. Yeah, and then Great State mm-hmm. is a, a growing yeah part of yeah. the empire too. Because how many Great States are there now? Uh, we have five. We have Bellevue in May, and so okay. that'll be that'll be five. And then we have the two stadium ones, yeah. um, four or five, I think. So there's Laurelhurst, there's um, Amazon area, there's um, there's International District, and then there's Eleven Eleven Third, which is down kind of just by the Columbia Center. Um, and then Bellevue will make five, and then uh, CenturyLink and Safeco as yeah. well. That's fabulous yeah. and of course we're we're all over the grass-fed burger thing so yeah we're thrilled where yeah. does the beef come from for for great state it comes from geber's farm which uh is a uh farmer in brewster washington they're actually the largest 
cherry producer in the world, um, and they are one of the largest apple, part of the largest apple co-ops in the world, Um, but they also have um, a section of their business that they have decided to start growing um, grass-fed beef, Mm -hmm. Um, and they are, I will say, um, one of the smartest um, and most um, committed families and farmers that I've ever met. They just, you walk in and, and it's amazing to walk into a, a place where you're having dinner with them and you realize immediately that that everything they're saying not only is is true but also you're operating they're operating at a different level than you around science around just understanding sort of the, the the nature of what they do you know and here we are as a chef talking about you know what kind of grass um that that grass is bad for cows or i'm sorry you know or uh, <laughs> grain is oh, yeah. grain is bad for cows yeah and, that's true and you know they're not able to digest it well. And he's like, well, that's partially true, but there's also, you know, what, you know, what's grass to you? And I'm like, you know, like what's on the ground? He's like, well, do you consider corn a grass? And I'm like, well, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily. It seems fibrous. He's like, corn is considered a grass. Um, it has actual stalks that make it a grain, but the majority of the plant is made up of grass. Yeah. Um, if you can take out the 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 stalk or the the husks, uh-huh. you know, or the corn itself, which yeah. is a grain. You're then left with technically a grass, um, which cows have just fine ability to to oh, actually process. And so, going into this world where these guys um, are highly committed to giving these cows the best life they can get, mm-hmm. um, while at the same time producing, I think a, a, a beautiful beef is yeah. um, something that I love being a part yeah. of. Is the grass part of the corn? full of omega-3s or no. is it it's not <laughs> the omega-3 and corn is in the husk oh. and since the cows don't eat the husk all they get is omega-6 from the corn oh. am i correct on that i you know sound like you know more than me yeah okay. that's the way it works okay and then there's now there's a new kind of grass-fed cow which is being done in the large feedlots where they actually make grass pellets <laughs> and and feed the you know the big corporate feedlot cows they get fed grass pellets, which, I don't know, I'd be okay with that as long as I know it's still got the omega-3 in it. And as long as mm-hmm. it's not a chemical I'm not going to eat salmon every day, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. No, it's it's the, the, the thing we always run up against in food is just uh, quantity. And the, 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 the sort of the mass production of, even if it's organic, you still have to produce billions of gallons of organic milk (laughs) so at some point there's a mechanized process it's not just a farmer lovingly you know tugging on a cow teat and you know milking them it's like no there's there's like huge factories yeah so it's uh it's uh it's hard when you're feeding billions of people and also we don't know sometimes till way down the road what the effects of something we do yeah cause so well i want to talk also about scout in the nest because to me in my mind that's different from Things you've done before mm-hmm. seems a little more high end, a little more trendy. Maybe it's at the Thompson Hotel. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that, and how do you feel about those two spots? The Thompson approached us a while back about a partnership, and uh, we want they wanted to, um, you know, and for us at least, it seemed like at the moment when we were growing like a great sort of flag in the ground around having a brand in Seattle and, and having a hotel piece. Um, and, you know, selfishly, I wanted to be able to travel and stay in uh, other yeah, hotels. And, yeah. Um, but I, I, I will say that um, 
scout the restaurant. We have a chef there, Derek uh, Simchik, who is um, exceptional, and he's just a, a really, really good chef. And um, he runs that uh, restaurant and food and beverage program. I think awesome. Um, okay. He's, you know, from a cuisine standpoint, he's different than what I would do. But I love that in a way because it's it fits the Thompson brand probably more than what I would do. Um, but at the same time, his food is delicious mm-hmm. and um, certainly a little bit more technical. Um, and the space is, I think, I think it's a, a great spot, and it's it's just another one that I think is going to keep evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, the nest is, you know, similar like fishing in a barrel. I mean, it's just you know, put a roof up there and some drinks, and people come up and they they wear tight dresses and you know want to stand in line and uh, with a bouncer. So, um, which is you know not my not my I jam, that, but, but <laughs> it's uh, you know it's a good spot, and and I think again that that one will continue to evolve. Um, but that one probably that's you know more uh, that's more Thompson than us at yeah. least from a, an operational standpoint. Yeah. Um, but it, and it fits probably more the Thompson brand than you know would us. But mm-hmm. um, but it's still something that people love and flock to, mm-hmm. and it's a massive piece of that hotel and it business. Brings other people into Huxley Walsh. Yep. You know, if 100%. they love that and then and they age and they don't want to get in those tight dresses anymore, it's like yeah. let's go down to Westward for a while and <laughs> yeah. you know have yeah. a drink down there. Yeah. So to kind of wrap this up, um, where where are you? Are you just focused on these right now, and you really want to get these perfectly in those the pegs in the hole, mm-hmm. or are you thinking about more expansion? Or no, we're we're in a, for me at least sitting in a sit mode um, and really just focusing on um, getting the right leadership in the restaurants, um, making sure that uh, you know the menu items are right, that the staffing is right, the decor is right, that the spaces feel like. They feel like you're walking into a place that feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, for us, the focus. Great state all the way to, you know, westward even, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, uh, I like the I like where we're at. I, I like where we're at as a company. I think that we have um, a great sort of base that we emerged from. Um, mm-hmm. A little bumpy, but we're at this spot now where... Um, the Vestal and Canteen and Poulet space will be sublet out to oh, uh, something that Rachel from Revel is going to be there for a year when they oh, yeah, when they close, when they close in and, um, but ultimately that'll be something else and um, and uh, so we've emerged from that and you know we we're hopefully you know figuring out St Helens so you know those are all just sort of you know we're in this spot right now where I feel good about where we're headed mm-hmm. um, and we kind of got through a period of like felt a little bit of like a whirlwind and um came out okay yeah you know it wasn't Thank we goodness. got we had some bumps and bruises um but now we get to sort of take on the next challenge and see how that evolves us uh you know in every way whether it be you know from a food perspective uh, to a profitability perspective yeah. okay yeah. this is great thank you so much for being here today yeah, yeah thanks for thank coming you. over yeah. thanks guys you bet we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by B&E Meats and Seafood, your neighborhood butcher with four locations to serve you in Des Moines, Berrien, Newcastle, and the top of Queen Anne Hill. Unique products, great meats, the freshest seafood, and a knowledgeable, friendly staff make shopping at B&E Meats and Seafood the best choice. I'm Kelsey Jones. I'm from West Seattle. My favorite restaurant is Baco by the Market. It's an amazing place for brunch. You can get mimosas, the greatest crab egg benedict you'll ever have, and an amazing quiche Lorraine, which I had. I'm Kelsey Jones. I'm from West Hello, this is Twa from Chinois, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
Welcome back. We are at the end of the show. I know it is so sad, but we'll be back next month. Plus, we don't ever like to end the show without a few tips. So we're going to go with a couple today. If, you, if you'd like us to do this show more than once a month, uh, I would just recommend you listen to it every week. The same show. <laughs> or go back and listen to all of them from the couple years past and just re-listen and re-listen and re-listen. Yeah, you know, we, we keep the jokes flying, so it's hard to get them all in the first pass. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll know more about us than you ever, ever wanted to know. So speaking of knowing things about people, here's, here's my tip. Mm-hmm. When we were in Walla Walla this past week, we were able to stay in three different places. Mm-hmm. Three different accommodations. All were very different. One was kind of a high-end hotel, one was a more moderate hotel, and one was a and b mm-hmm. And I thought that was very interesting from a comparison standpoint, you yeah. know, because it was one night after the other, which normally you wouldn't do. But it really gave us, it gave me uh, a clear picture of what I like when I go stay someplace, what means something to me, what doesn't mean something to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought I learned a few things about you. There were things that you didn't like that I was like, well, that's interesting. And it fits with your personality. I just had never hit that particular thing. Yeah, the B&B had a set time for breakfast, and they stopped by your room an hour before and dropped off coffee or whatever you wanted. But that's all. that was all voluntary, the, the early thing. Mm-hmm. Plus, if you uh, had to leave early or something, you could tell them the night before and say, we have to be out of here by 8. Can we have an early breakfast? And they would say, sure, of course. Yeah. So they're, they're flexible, but there is structure there. <coughs> yeah, and I, di- I just didn't like being stuck waiting for that time to roll around. I like to move when I'm ready to move, you know. And this is – we were there for business, of course, so we were on the move a little more than we might have been if we'd been mm-hmm. just vacationing. However, that is something I know about you. You've got to be on the move. We can go to Hawaii and never step foot on a beach. You're not a beach person, but you love Hawaii. But you love the hills. Well, and if the, I can go walking on the beach. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not going to lay down in the sand and yeah. let the sun scorch my lovely flesh. <laughs> Your pale, white, marbly flesh. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought that was interesting. You know, So my tip, I guess, is that next time you're going to go someplace, try something maybe a little out of the regular choice and see what you think. Because mm-hmm. you might um, find that you like something about it, and it, maybe it becomes a favorite, or maybe it's just a great story later. Yeah. Okay. That's my tip. Okay. Well, here comes mine. Mine's a special little recipe for all the listeners of the Seattle Dining Show today. And and you don't have to get your pen out. This one's easy to remember. <laughs> so, you know, uh, kombucha is all the craze. Everybody loves it, and... Uh, uh, so I, I started doing a little homework on it and uh, found out, you know, they do put a bit of sugar into kombucha uh, or sweeteners of various types that are not, you know, they're going to put a load on your system. So when you buy kombucha, it's in a 16-ounce bottle, and uh, if the carb load is kind of high, uh, here's what you can do. Um, I, you know, I, I don't eat perfectly all the time, and uh, I do things like drink Diet Coke. But I like to put like vinegar, uh, like an infused vinegar into my Diet Coke and make a nice fruity little, you know, like kind of like a cherry Coke. Mm-hmm. So I've been, uh, I've been taking 12 ounces of Diet Coke and putting them together with four ounces of uh, like a berry type kombucha. 
And, oh, man, it's so good. Yeah. I love it. Um, and it reminds me a bit of, like, whiskey, where when you water down the whiskey, you still get the same flavor. Yeah. So even though you put four ounces of kombucha in, it tastes like you're drinking a whole kombucha. Yeah. And just since we're on an educational trend on this show, um, kombucha is a variety of, according to Wikipedia, mm-hmm. fermented, lightly effervescent, sweetened black or green tea. Yep. So uh, I think <coughs> this is one of the things that we've learned. You know, when I started hearing about it so much a while back and then looking into it, it's like they're talking about a whole bunch of health benefits and all this stuff, but as you discovered, a lot of sugar. Yeah, so, and nobody's proven the health benefits, yeah. by the way, so, other than the fact that some of them do have probiotics in them. So just as as our usual warning on things, you know, always look into what you're doing. Don't just jump on a trend because um, it might not be good for you or it could be great or, like Tom's suggesting, you can still do it even with all that sugar. Just find a way to lessen the sugar that's going into your body. Yeah. Yeah. And they do have organic kombucha. You can buy it by the bottles called Kavita. Look for the USDA circle, the green mm. circle. Uh, I find it at Central Market when I go. We found it down in Oregon at the little farm stand market down there. Yeah. And interestingly, they, and certainly they are not the only ones, but a lot of places have it on tap. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of fun, too. All righty, then. It is time to wrap up. Thank you for joining us on the show this month. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit us at www.seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. We cannot be more clear than that. All right. So we want you to dine safe. We want you to dine well. We want you to dine out often. And we want you to cook in the kitchen often as well. Yeah, and come back and listen to us next month. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the seattle dining show